Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Wadi Wachtel. You're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Welcome back once again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We're part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast network of absolute wise music swamis making podcasts. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This episode uh, is episode 135. I'm calling this Early Mutt Lang. This is one I've been planning for a long time. I I can't believe I never got around to it, but uh, I did my big notes file that's got everything in it with all the songs I picked, and I do word searches to find out what I've talked about and what I haven't before, and uh, I haven't done this one. So, um, so yeah, the idea here is... Uh, to talk a little bit about, you know, we I've, I've been going on various shows lately and talking about Def Leppard and ACDC and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and you know, there's this fascinating character of Mutt Lang and what he did along the way. Um, but this episode's going to be more about the early days because we all know about the later days. Uh, so so I'm going to sort of chart the, uh, you know, the advancement through the late 70s into the big things uh, he, he did. So, so essentially, yeah, Robert John Lang, Mutt Lang, uh, was born in northern Rhodesia, uh, which is today Zambia. Uh, so he started his career down there. And he went into the national service. He formed a band called Sound Reason in 1969. So he goes back a long ways uh, together with James Bothwick, a South African TV stage and film actor. Um, he had this group Hocus. They made an album, but essentially he moved to the UK and uh, and a big theme of uh, how he gets started is with this band City Boy. Uh, so actually, let's get into it. Let's let's play a first track and we'll continue from there. This is uh, this is track one here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. City Boy with Mama's Boy.
All right. So the idea here is that uh, the first band that Mutt kind of sinks his teeth into when he gets to uh, the UK is City Boy. So he did their first five albums. There was like one or two later. I don't think he did Heads Heads Are Gonna Roll or Heads Will Roll. And then there's another kind of weird one later. Um but uh, but essentially all of these uh, these City Boy albums with the City Boy sound he did as the story goes he was recommended to them by Phonogram A and R uh, guy Chris Pierce uh, so City Boy City Boy was the first album this song is off of the second album uh, Dinner at the Ritz they did two albums in 1976 the first one was recorded at the Manor um, so what we're going to find here is there's a little bit of a theme where Mutt really doesn't uh, he he's not kind of married to one studio or another but the reason I wanted to play this song is uh, to get into a few of the characteristics of Mutt leading up to the big stuff. So in this one, you do hear a little bit of the vocal flourishes. So he's a big vocals guy. You hear a little bit of kind of a Thin Lizzy twin lead thing. You hear a lot of production that he's applying to City Boy. Uh, as the story goes, again, I mean, he's essentially considered like the seventh member of the band. Um, you know, he helped Chris Dunn with his bass guitar skills and big on vocal arrangements. That was kind of his big thing. So what you're noticing in these early City Boy things is a Mutt Lang mentality, but a not Mutt Lang, a not a Mutt Lang sound. So what you're hearing more so is a, uh, is almost like a Roy Thomas Baker, try everything, everything but the kitchen sink. Um, just, just spreading his wings and learning the areas that he's really kind of into. So you're hearing that on City Boy. City Boy, that their heart, their sound is hard to describe. It's, it's sort of like a precursor to pomp rock. Um, I wouldn't say hair metal, uh, but more like pop, punk, pomp, a little bit of a very fussy and dressy yacht rock, I suppose, in a way. Um, and like I say, it's got these kind of queen-like flourish flourishes there as well. Um, so yeah, essentially, um, I've kind of split this up by kind of going through the early stuff so you can see what's happening. There was Hocus. Uh, that was back in 1972 when he's still in South Africa with uh, two songs called The Swan and He, Richard John Smith, Superstar Smith. Spider in 1975. The City Boy, early 76. Uh and then, so that's a self-titled City Boy. Dinner at the Ritz, late 76. Kevin Coyne in Living Black and White, 76. Mallard in a Different Climate this year. Uh, Graham Parker, Heat Treatment. That's the other one I care about uh, somewhat out of all these. And I played it again to prepare for this episode, and I didn't really find too many Mutt Lang-isms there. I mean, I guess he's just kind of working, finding work, and doing the work sort of thing. Uh, but Graham Parker's going to... Uh, figure in our next choice here uh so let's get into this also actually in 76 as well supercharge local lads make good but yeah the graham parker leads to our second selection here on history and five songs take a listen to this this is boomtown rats with mary of the fourth form <laughs>
All right. Love that song. Uh, you know, Caution, that is kind of the heaviest song on this first Boomtown Rats album. Uh, but essentially what you have here is, uh, surprise, surprise. So this is a punk album produced by Robert John Mutt Lang, and uh, it's actually made at Dierks Studios. So Dieter Dierks, famous for Scorpions. But so this is made in Dierks Studio in Germany. Pretty odd uh, for a for a uh, a punk album, 1977. So kind of the first big year for punk albums, uh, especially out of the UK. Um, but what I like about this as a choice is Boomtown Rats come on strong as sort of the accomplished, well-put-together, well-produced punk band. Uh, they're a little bit different from most of the others. Sex Pistols, you can argue, is a, is a well-produced album, never mind the bollocks. Uh, but one of the neat things about this band... Irish band, you definitely get that that Graham Parker, Van Morrison, Thin Lizzy thing coming into Boomtown Rats. Like I say, the rest of the album is also actually, you know, quite guitar charged and pretty heavy. As kids, when this came out in 77, you know, at 14 years old, I loved this album. It was a pretty heavy punk album. But but I think what we liked more about it is it was a very accomplished punk album. So it, it kind of reminds me of a little bit of Def Leppard on Through the Night sitting there at the beginning of the new wave of British heavy metal. This is sitting there in punk and your ears kind of kind of perked up and said, "Wow, this is this is almost like too polished and too good." So what you get here is Mutt Lang making this punk rock stuff palatable. Uh it's got like I say, it's got a little bit of that Graham Parker Bruce Springsteen uh, piano here and there, you know, with Joey's on the streets again and stuff like that. Where's my copy of this album here? Um, so yeah, looking after number one was a great hit. You know, a, 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 essentially, Mutt Lang's first sort of uh, hit success was uh, the song "Rat Trap" for Boomtown Rats, which went to I think number one in the UK. But that's not on this album. Uh, this is the debut album. It's got "She's Gonna Do You In," "Close as You'll Ever Be." kicks uh never bite the hand that feeds so all of these are pretty guitar charged but i think what you what you get out of this is sort of a discipline around songwriting that is an influence of mutt lang and you get um pretty dry straightforward no-nonsense sounds out of the drums and the guitars and you get just just good performances as well mutt lang is is starting to learn you know he, he he's moving into that thing where, uh, well, I guess this is always there early on, but, you know, he he has other madnesses and eccentricities later that drive bands crazy. But uh, but he's already, you could tell, um, making these bands sound better by making them do more takes, perform it well, and then he'll record it well, and he'll also make the songs uh, be really sensible. Um, all right, so also in 1977... He does the Motors uh, first album, and you know, in talking to David Krebs, he's kind of explained to me it's a little bit the the story's a little hazy, but there's a there's a little bit of a connection of getting Mutt Lang involved with ACDC uh, because somebody somewhere along the line liked what he did with the Motors. I love the Motors. I I love the whole you know Motors into Bram Tchaikovsky. I I love Bram Tchaikovsky as a band even more. They only made three albums. Check those out. They're like really good guitar-charged British power pop sort of sound. But the Motors were pretty influential in their own right, um, and they had some pretty cool songs. They were not not a very... um, 
they kind of did a variety of things, but I, I really liked them a lot. So, so Mutt Lang did the Motors. Uh, it's called the Motors One, first album in 77. Now we're into a third City Boy album. He did Young Men Gone West. He did Clover, Love on the Wire, and Clover Unavailable. So this is the Huey Lewis connection, right? Huey Lewis, I think, plays, uh, he or he guests on... Uh, on the Boomtown Rats, and he, he obviously guests on Thin Lizzy as well. That's another thing he did. There's another Supercharge album in 77. He does Horizontal Refreshment, um, and he does The Rumor, Max. That's an album I really like a lot, uh, Max Max The Rumor. Um, so this is Graham Parker's band without Graham Parker, and they do this really cool album in 77. All right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 135. We're calling this Early Mutt Lang. Um, so take a listen to this. This is our third selection Savoy Brown, Spirit High. Okay, uh, I just wanted to uh, to have this whole episode in in a way. I'm 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 kidding, but um, I wanted an excuse to play Spirit High from Savoy Brown. This is from an album of theirs called Savage Return. Savoy Brown, of course, big blues band. Um, you know the the offshoot band went on to be you know the the very famous and accessible and pretty heavy boogie rockin' band, uh, Fog Hat. Uh, you know, they became based in America. Kim Simmons was left kind of holding the bag and holding the pure, you know, the purest bag for the blues with Savoy Brown. But this is an album that got a lot of uh, complaints about it because it's a little bit of a heavier album. It's got a little bit of like, you know, this song I just played you was was actually fairly heavy metal. Um, but it's also got some pretty hard rocking songs on it as well. My Own Man. Um, the first, I think the first song is called The First Night. Um, not a great album cover. It doesn't really look like much of anything. Savoy Brown had some actually cool album covers with with uh, illustration. But this one got a lot of complaints because more or less Gone was the boogie rock replaced by... There was still some mellow stuff on the album. It's not that heavy an album. But I remember get, getting this as a kid and, and loving the fact that there were three pretty heavy songs on it and some and some good hard rocking material as well. But the really neat thing about it is it's got great production. Uh, but the funny thing about it is I almost didn't pick it as an example because it doesn't really have the kind of production that you would call um, typical Mutt Lang production. The, the drums are very Bonham-esque and big, which is kind of a different thing. That's not a Mutt Lang thing. Uh, but the performances are good. Everything sounds great sitting in the mix. It's just a, just a good, accessible, rockin' sort of album. And why I wanted to pick it is this almost strikes me as the the Mutt Lang as A and R guy, you know Mutt Lang uh, didn't particularly A and R City Boy to great heights and didn't didn't particularly A and R them well. Um, you know that band was a very commu- uh, confused mishmash of things. They they basically sound like a uh, a studio project. 
that that almost like they're almost like a studio resume or a studio showcase of what this producer can do. Uh, but what what I like about this Savoy Brown example is it's almost like Mutt kind of like, okay, you want to be as famous as Foghat? Uh, let's push you into this area or this arena that is a little more radio accessible, commercial hard rock. Let's play up your roots, but let's let's give a modern version of those roots. So so he's got them doing a little bit of hard rock and heavy metal, um, and it really uh, you know ticked off the fans who were were you know dismayed that there wasn't uh, this this wasn't you know the 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 classic blues and boogie band that they were on all those many many albums before that so didn't do well at all um, people complained about the singing as well um, but I I I think it's fine so so this this really you know a, as us as angry young metalheads you know frankly this was my favorite Savoy Brown album and a lot of other people aren't 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 so big uh, into it. Um, it was recorded at Rockfield, so he's kind of going all over the place again. So that's obviously a classic, classic uh, studio to record at. So there you go. Savoy Brown's Sa- Savage Return. Around this time, so we're in 1978 now, he did Michael Stanley Band, Cabin Fever. He did City Boy Book Early. So now we're on to a fourth City Boy album, Book Early. He did Outlaws Playing to Win as well. And to, and to me, uh, he's almost doing the same kind of thing he's doing with Savoy Brown. It's like... Your old, your old folky, uh, you know, stuff produced by that that Eagles producer, not a very good producer, I don't think. I don't think the Eagles albums sound good. Bill Sims, Chuck, or whatever his name is, I don't think the early Outlaws albums sound very good either. Um, but here he is. Uh, but he's recording in Doraville, so he's going to the states to record this. But basically. Um, Playing to win almost feels a little bit like uh, an early version of the formula that made a band like 38 Special have some success later on. Although here's playing to win in 1978, but you do hear Mutt Lang again as the as the A and R guy, and you also hear a little bit of Mutt Lang drums in here, and you hear a little bit of Mutt Lang guitars in here as well. Uh, oddly, also in 1978, he he records produces a second album. For the Boomtown Rats, a tonic for the troops, and that's the one that shocked us because they gave up the the hard and heavy, hard rocking punk of the debut, and they were becoming almost more like a like the city boy of punk at this point. So now now Mutt Lang again is is showcasing the various things he can do as a producer. Um, it's it's poppy. I love it to death. I mean, I, now I love it. Back then I was horrified and hated it. Um, but a tonic for the troops is a great Boomtown Rats album, and it was very successful for them. And they recorded this at Relight in in the Netherlands. So again, uh, it's really odd. This Irish band is recording uh, over on the mainland Europe, uh, which is kind of weird. Also in 78, he does Deaf School, English Boys, Working Girls. That's a weird band, man. Check out Deaf School. They're almost like a cross between uh, Sparks and Roxy Music and The Tubes. Uh, big kind of review, big kind of theatrical band, very strange band, uh, but really, really interesting. There's this double album I've owned for years since the early days. Can't remember what it's called. Um, all right, let's move on. This is our fourth selection. Check this out. This is City Boy once again with Machines.
All right, so love this album to death. Uh, like I say, I'm 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 not that huge a City Boy fan, but but the day the Earth caught fire, 1979, is an absolute 10 out of 10 for me. Love it to death. Love the pomp rock on it, the mellow stuff, but there's a lot of heavy stuff on it. It's got this great epic at the end, 12 minutes long, called Ambition, with so many cool parts in it. Um, but again, this is still Mutt Lang. Um, doing everything like this is still a very complicated band doing a lot of different things but i wanted to play machines for you because you get the heaviness you get the um the kind of mutlang drum sound that 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 really gets codified on on the likes of Def Leppard High and Dry i would say uh the most but you're hearing that here and you're also getting his uh his big vaulted vocal harmonies in in the development stage so that's moving along as well um now the other interesting thing about this is this is recorded at Compass Point Nassau the Bahamas what else is recorded there that's a big mutlang deal ACDC back in black. So you're getting that in 1979. And even the photography is Jim Houghton photography. Um, he's the photographer for the highway to hell sessions. And, uh, and that's a Mutt Lang album as well. Um, so that's kind of interesting. You're getting these connections, but, uh, it, you know, I, I, this is also was an excuse to, uh, to play this magnificent album, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. I love it start to finish. Like I say, it's got, and, and it's still got that singular City Boy sound. But to me, this is their masterpiece where um, it's got some bottom end, it's got some heft, and it even has, again, to, to, to draw it into the Mutt Lang and development stage, it has this predilection for hard rock that Mutt Lang is, uh, is starting to have as part of his oeuvre. Uh, so this is the heaviest City Boy album. And, uh, and I just love, um, I, lo I love the production, the songs, the sound, just the vision of this band uh, when it comes to this record. So uh, and yeah, my other, my other funny story is, is um, you know, bonding with King Diamond over, over City Boy Machines. And he's singing it to me down the phone and we're both saying, oh man, what a great album that is. Uh, so he loves, uh, he loves the day the earth caught fire as well. Uh, so great, great record there. Uh, also at this time, he did uh, Shades in Bed for the records. I don't even know that album. I love the first two records albums. Uh, I think it's just called The Records and then Crashes. Um, they were a an absolutely sublime power pop band. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know this album at all. I, I, I should check it out. Another supercharged album, Body Rhythm 1979. And then he does also in 79, the absolute masterpiece by the Boomtown Rats, The Fine Art of Surfacing, which is recorded at Hilversum in in uh Netherlands again, which is kind of odd. Uh, but this is even more plush and elegant and beautifully recorded. And again, it's got a little bit of that Van Morrison, Bruce Springsteen, Thin Lizzy, Graham Parker feel to it. Um, but it's but it's a it's a a complicated you know power pop album, maybe even a little XTC to it. But absolutely a ten out of ten. It's my favorite Boomtown Rats album. Not heavy at all. Um, but, uh, and, and not particularly Mutt Lang again, not particularly Mutt Lang, um, in the heaviness, in the sounds. Um, but you could say this is Mutt Lang with his A&R hat on as well, because these are gorgeous jewels of songs and it was actually a pretty successful album for them as well. And, uh, and it's Mutt Lang, the, uh, the excessive producer who really, really, really wants to produce and get great performances out of bands and lots of takes and get really good sound. So it's that Mutt Lang as well. All right. 
Let's move on to our fifth and final selection. Check this out. This is a band you might have heard of before. They're called ACDC. This is Girls Got Rhythm. Okay, so now what you get with Mutt Lang is moving into, uh, this is this is also 1979, just like the City Boy, but you're getting, what he's applying to this band is, you know, there were some raised eyebrows with him coming in and telling these guys what to do. It's like ACDC does not like to be told what to do, but it turns out they respected Mutt Lang and, uh, and respected his opinion. So Mutt Lang had Angus recording guitar solos sitting down in the control room. He would even tell him what to do in his guitar solos. Take it here, take it there, start to finish, you know, all that cool stuff about guitar solos. It's supposed to tell a story. It's supposed to have a beginning and an end and a middle. Um, and uh, and really made them work on uh, uh, background vocals. So I wanted to play this little snippet of Girls Got Rhythm because you hear the improved background vocals. You know, it's funny, ACDC early on and ACDC even later on go back to the to the to the mumbling, nerdy, eccentric background vocals at times, which is one of their cool trademarks and an endearing, charming characteristic of them, right? Um, but you just hear a subtle improvement in that. And what you also hear with Highway to Hell is you hear the improvement in performance. Um, it's a it's just a little less ragged. You hear the more uh, logical, radio-friendly songs, even though this is a pretty heavy album. I, I've often argued that this is actually a heavier album than Power Age. Power Age and Highway to Hell are my two favorite ACDC albums. Mutt Lang didn't produce Power Age. That was still back to the the Vanda and Young you know, era of ACDC. But uh, in, in certain ways, this is actually a heavier album, but it was a massively successful album and it was just well put together. And again, you hear, you hear Mutt Lang making a band work harder and try harder uh, for that final result. Um, so that's what I like about this as our final example of the early days. Um, also in 79, Mutt Lang does uh, tycoon tycoon he does broken home broken home i played that a little bit uh, that's kind of like a power pop pub rock um you know post new uh, post punk not post punk but i'd say new wave band um and you do hear a little bit of the mutt lang guitars and what are the mutt lang guitars as of this point you know, as of this point, I think you definitely hear them on that Boomtown Rats album. You hear them on City Boy. You hear them on on um, this ACDC album, not so much on Back in Black. And I think you hear them on High and Dry. And I just, I just find it to be a very, ah, oh boy, how do you say this? It's almost ironically um, an exciting electric sound, but it's also still a very behaved sound. They're not particularly high in the mix. It's just a clean free burning but still electric guitar sound uh that you get um so i think you hear that on highway to hell um 
And yeah, as I was saying, I think you hear that a little bit on this Broken Home album, but it's not a heavy album. So so that was 1980. ACDC Back in Black is 1980. Foreigner 4 is 1981. And I, f- I find that an interesting one because he doesn't try to change the band, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, it's still got that, that trademark where he's kind of taking away the hi-hat. Um, so you hear a lot of, you know, bass drum and snare and, and things like that. So the songs are kind of minimalistic, but he's he's leaving that with the guys and, and no knowing that that's their sound. So I think that's pretty interesting that he has the instincts not to change every band, right? Um, Def Leppard, High and Dry, 1981. Now, now to me... To me, you really get that parallel where High and Dry is uh, is Def Leppard's Highway to Hell, and uh, and Pyromania and Back in Black are moving into you know a, a new area. Um, so so I find that kind of interesting. Um, that's that's a sound where you really get the uh, the early days Mutlang drum sound in its fruition uh, that we've picked up in traces along our examples along the way. Um, also in '81, he does for those about to rock, we salute you. Now here's the interesting thing. I don't think I don't think Back in Black really sounds like a Mutt Lang album, but if it sounds like anything, it sounds like for those about to rock, and that's the only time he ever sounded that way. Um, to me, they they sound nothing like Highway to Hell either. Um, but the funny thing is, um, essentially, they wanted to so so Back in Black is to Compass Point. They they enjoyed the experience the ACDC guys working on Back in Black, but. It was a bridge too far when you get to for those about to rock. They were annoyed at Mutt Lang by this point. Mutt Lang was starting to to enter his his uh, his madness phase um, that that you know comes to fruition on Pyromania and then is just out of control when you get to Hysteria, an album I hate start to finish. I hate the production. I hate the songs. I hate everything about it. It's a zero out of ten. Um, but essentially. Uh, you see a little bit of that happening with ACDC because for those about to rock, it doesn't particularly sound like pyromania or, or anything excessive, frankly. It just sounds kind of big and plush and analog and it sounds fine. There's nothing wrong with the sound. But um, the ACDC guys, especially Angus and Malcolm, uh, were pulling their hair out at, at, at having to do way too many takes working in Paris. They didn't really feel they had the material. So Mutt was like overworking the material and he's in there with the songs. Um, but uh, they just feel he pr- produced the life out of it. Um, they they did not enjoy making it. It was it was just many, many, many hours and weeks uh, putting this record together and it was painful for them. And it didn't do do that well. It was a big drop off from Back in Black. Uh, but, but more importantly, I, I mean, I'm sure people were expecting the drop off, but more importantly, it just felt like uh, like like a, a weaker version of Back in Black. And it also felt like the production was was losing some of that excitement. It was starting to get a little bit high fidelity. Um, and that's why ACDC self-produced their next album, Flick of the Switch. I love Flick of the Switch to death, and I'm perfectly fine with the gritty production on it. But it's heavy again, and it's exciting again. And excitement is exactly what's missing on uh, for those about to rock. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so um, he produced Pyromania. He produced The Car's Heartbeat pretty interesting and then hysteria so by the time you get to pyromania you've got mutt lang uh just like becoming uh almost like uh what's his name up the river on apocalypse now uh kurtz colonel kurtz or whatever his name is uh he's just gone way too far he's just become the the crazy producer you know the um the phil specter the roy thomas baker at times um and uh and i don't think pyromania's pyromania is um an innovative and pretty exciting and cool sounding record um 
so I kind of like it, but I, but it also it's starting to date itself. And then hysteria, everything about it is dated. Um, but yeah, he, Cars Heartbeat City is obviously pretty dated sounding. So he's he's starting to uh, he's starting to just move too far and adopt too many of these '80s things at 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 this point. But uh, that's where I want to stop the story. Let's not go any further than that. He's had quite a strange life later on with Shania Twain and all that, and New Zealand and living in Switzerland, buying a big side of a mountain in New Zealand. Pretty interesting. He's a recluse, doesn't do interviews. Um, but yeah, I I just thought uh, it would be pretty cool to do a survey of the uh, of the early days here. All right, and if you like the show, of course, and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi Rhymes with No Fee dot com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a pint. Um, and on that front, again, uh, keeping the show alive, I want to thank uh, many regulars here. I, I really appreciate it. And many of you, this is really cool. Have have gone over to our video show as well, and uh, and support us on the contrarians and and are frankly great speakers at the contrarians when we do when we do the the patreon shows and whatnot anyways um on that front i want to thank andy at black sugar transmission joe back to bel-air expediting bruce campbell jeremy french darren kasabowski shannon mahaffey neil miller my south african connection right uh sammy Orr, augustin garcia de Paredes, steve polari edward price scott reed brian sager and andrew smith uh you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs again like i say we've got the contrarians as well i'm i'm a regular on uh, sea of tranquility with pete love talking to pete pardo over there so you can check me out there uh once a week at least um but yes thanks again and uh aren't you happy we're uh we're finished with the drum episodes we just finished the drum trilogy uh <laughs> that was 132 133 and 134 don't know what we're gonna do next uh next week but uh but yeah there you go episode 135 early mutt lang and if i can leave you with anything go listen to city boy the day the earth caught fire Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Pantheon.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 